Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation. Well, I don't know if today's conversation will be about the mundane, but we will try to deliver it in the most calm fashion as we can. And if it helps you find your way to sleep, we're so happy. And if it makes you stay with us for the whole episode, this is probably just a warning that might happen if you are a fan of not only the person we're going to be talking about, but my guest. I'm Marco Timpano, and my guest is Daniel Krolik. Welcome back to the Insomnia Project. Marco, I'm so happy to be here. Daniel, before we go any further, I want to mention your podcast, which is Bad Gay Movies, Bitchy Gay Men, one of my favorite podcasts. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Stitcher or wherever you listen uh, to. We're not on Stitcher. Stitcher. Oh, sorry. Uh, but we are on, uh, we just got ourselves up on Google Play. Great. And we just got ourselves up on Spotify. Fantastic. Yes. Well, then you you find it wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm sure you'll be able to find it. If not, those are definitely places you can you can catch it. I'll talk to Bill about getting it on Stitcher. You guys should be on Stitcher. I don't know if we are, but... You might be. But do that. Yeah. All right, I'll find out. Anyways, regardless of that, we are going to talk about one of your favorite performers... Oh, my goodness. And mine. Yes. Glenn Close. Talk to me about when you realized how much of a great performer Glenn Close was. I feel like it was the first uh, Academy Awards that I was old enough to watch. Okay. Which was, I think it was 1988 or 89. It was the year Rain Man won Best Picture. Okay. It was it was a very memorable award ceremony because it was also the year that it opened with an actress impersonating Snow White. Oh, yes. And Rob Lowe very famously uh, sang a duet with her. Right. And it was a big catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And apparently they uh, she wore the traditional, uh, like the, the Disney princess Snow White costume. Right. And apparently the Academy didn't get uh, the Permission? rights oh, wow. or, or pay Disney. So Disney, I think, attempted to sue the Academy. And then Rob Lowe got into a sex video scandal. Right. So it was... Anyway, uh, this was the first Academy Awards that I was old enough to watch, okay. uh, to watch through, and it was the year that Glenn Close was nominated for Dangerous Liaisons, so that was sort of my first um, 
my first real glimpse of her. And I think the year before that was the year that Fatal Attraction was released. Right. Had you seen Fatal Attraction? Well, this is the story. Because you would be probably this, too... Okay. I t- was maybe 10? Tell us the story. And this was the story. Uh, my parents had gone out to see Fatal Attraction, mm-hmm. and my grandparents babysat, and my mother came back, and my mother was so distraught by this movie and so shaken... So she sat on she sat on my bed and she said, "I just saw a movie that you're way too young to see. It will completely uh, disturb you and, and shatter you. So you're not going to see it." That's nice of her. But to get. what I'm going to do, what my mother did is, my mother summarized the entire plot <laughs> of Fatal Attraction for me, and she told me about the bunny, and she told me about the strangling in the bathtub, right. and and her uh, her jumping out of the bathtub at the end. So. At 10, I had entire images of fatal attraction in my head. Wow. Um, and it was, and it's funny because my parents weren't particularly restrictive about what I could and couldn't watch or read. Sure. But fatal attraction was one of the few things that was completely off limits. Wow. So when did you end, end up seeing fatal attraction? I was maybe 30. Oh, wow. So it, it took that long? It took, I, I saw it years later. Wow. And? Yeah. Did it resonate with you? Absolutely. Did you enjoy her performance? Oh, yeah. Or was the performance of your mother explaining Glenn Close's performance? I mean, that was that was something. I wish she could have been there, Marco. Oh, man. I really do. Um, what a podcast that would be. Your mom explaining movies. My mother summarizing movies that, that she's seen. That'd be so I great. Would love that. that would be so I great. I would love that. I don't think my mother is the type of woman uh, to to go on record, to go on that kind of record. But, oh, my goodness, I wish she was. Oh, I yeah. wish she was. Um so tell me, okay, so uh, Glenn Close, Dangerous Liaisons, and I flawless think, performance. I think, I mean, she's, you know, we went through this award season last year where yeah. uh, we thought she was going to um, get eclipsed by Lady Gaga, mm-hmm. and then she won the Golden Globe, and then she picked up all these critics' awards, and then she won the Spirit Award, and we were so, the Oscars was almost going to be like her inauguration, right? and then she quite suddenly lost to Olivia <sighs> Coleman. Um she was nominated for the wife. The wife, that's right. The wife. Um, she so she was nominated for the wife. We thought she was going to win. Yeah. Well, yeah. when the movie came out, we thought she was going to get nominated and lose. Oh, I see. You did think that. Okay. So because A Star Is Born was such a big uh, a big cultural moment for right. Gaga, so we all thought Glenn would get nominated and then lose to Gaga, and the thought of Glenn at her current age and this would have been her seventh nomination and going through that and losing to Lady Gaga for an acting award right. uh, would have been just just very humiliating. Unjust. Yes. Unjust if you yeah. will. And then she very surprisingly beat Gaga for the Golden Globe. Right. And then for the next month or two leading up to the Oscars, we were like, oh, this is going to be the Glenn Close inauguration season. Because if correct me if I'm wrong, she hasn't won one an Oscar Yet. Glenn Close is now the living performer with the highest number of Oscar losses. Okay. Um, both uh, both Peter O'Toole and Richard Burton, I think, have eight nominations and I no see. wins. Okay. And Glenn has seven. Okay. Amy Adams has six. Oh. Glenn and Amy just wrapped a film together. So between the two of them, they have uh, 13 Oscar losses. Wow. Okay. Okay. So... We wish Glenn, if if you're listening, Glenn, I I know. Also, if you are not following Glenn on Instagram, you are missing out. She has 
I, and I say this with no irony. Mm-hmm. I say this with complete sincerity. She has the most captivating Instagram account. Really? And it's it's not an assistant. It's not a manager. It is all her. Okay. It is delightful. Oh, I'm going to follow as soon as yes. we're done recording. Yeah. And and she did she did a great job of of after the Academy Awards, um, assuring that her follow assuring her followers that she was fine. Right. She was fine. She'll do well regardless yeah. of how many. Oscars she does not have on her shelf yet. 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 There's um, still time. Let me ask you this. Performances by Glenn Close that you think are top-notch but not too many people sort of know about. Oh. Like, you know, everyone knows The Fatal Attraction. Everyone knows The uh, Dangerous Liaisons good, yeah. and, and The uh, Damages and other things mm-hmm. that she's done. But is there a performance that you're like, she was... I mean, I think you mentioned Dangerous Liaisons and I mentioned mm-hmm. it earlier. I think... Out of out of all of her nominated performances, I think that was that was the biggest robbery. Okay. That is such a layered and heartfelt and seductive and surprising and funny performance. Mm-hmm. And I think that was if you're looking at what she should have won for, it should have been Jager's liaison okay. for sure. Um there's a there's a Robert Altman movie. I think it's maybe from the late '90s called mm-hmm. Cookie's Fortune. Oh, I remember hearing and about it's, this. I mean, and Robert Ma- uh, Robert Altman was very prolific, uh, but this was this was I think a relatively minor movie in his canon. But it's sort of like a Southern Gothic farce movie, uh, and it's Glenn Close and Julianne Moore's sisters. Um, okay. Who are sort of fighting to get? I think. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it, so forgive me. But who are uh, fighting to get a piece of inheritance? Uh, and and you you also you don't think of Julianne Moore as being a comic actress, right? But they're both hysterical in this movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. So there's one to watch. I love her as the first lady in Mars Attacks. Yes. When her and Jack oh, Nicholson f- were the first couple. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, what else do? Oh, oh, she had a uh, she had an episode of Will and Grace where she played uh, an Annie Leibovitz style photographer. She played like a celebrity photographer. Um, when she gets to be funny, I think, because rarely does she get an opportunity to just sort of, um, you know, kick back and, and play a and, and play in comedies. I love how she's able to go big mm-hmm. and really pull back, so she can go big and huge when she needs to in. Let's say 101 Dalmatians. Yes. As Cruella Deville, if you yeah. haven't seen that. Or she can be very subtle and very exact and and very profound with just a look. And she can do both of those things in the same character in the same film. Right. Um, and even when she plays to the rafters, and and there are moments of dangerous liaisons because it's a period piece where it, where uh, where it's a very theatrical performance, but she's still coming at it from a place of truth. Right. And in that sense, she reminds me um, of somebody like Toni Collette, who's from another generation, where she also has the gift of being very big on screen, but she's playing real stakes and real emotions. Sure. So it still reads as a real character, as a real person. Have you seen Glenn Close on stage? No. And I'm very jealous of your wife, Marco, because I know she has. Oh, she has? Uh, In a delicate balance. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize she that. Has, oh, yes, my goodness! Very, very jealous okay. of Amanda. Will you, if she performs on stage, like the opportunity to see her? Oh, like, yeah. You... And I, I'm. I do regret she brought back uh, Sunset Boulevard to New York. I think maybe last year or two years ago. Okay. And I do, I do deeply regret not making it a point to uh, to have gone to New York to see her reprise that role. Well, maybe next time she's on stage, you and I both can go. And I see would her. love nothing more. 
I would nothing love nothing more. more than to watch you watching her on stage. I wouldn't even watch a performance. I'd be more concerned about watching how you I think there would enjoy. be such a cognitive dissonance with me because I remember uh, the. F- I have only seen Bernadette Peters on stage once, and the experience of finally seeing that person live was so extreme so I couldn't even respond to her performance because the idea of seeing this person live finally was so big. So it was it was almost like a fugue state for me. Oh, wow. And you're, you're I guess, a huge Bernadette Peters fan. I didn't realize that. Since I was a kid. Oh, wow. What yeah. did you see her in? Uh, Follies. Okay. Yeah. Okay, wow. Um, what about, so is she close to being, a, a, what is it, EGOT winner? Glenn? Yeah. Uh, I don't think she has a Grammy. Okay. So she has three Emmys, and she has three Tonys for okay. the theater, for the stage. Um, and I don't. I think she's been nominated for a Grammy. I okay. don't think she's won. Okay. So uh, she has to do whatever she has for a Grammy, um, and then eventually, I mean, I, I think and I hope and I pray that she'll get her Oscar there for something go. great. But what what was great about her resurgence with the wife, because the wife was also... Have you seen it? No, I haven't. It's a great movie, but it was made on a very small budget with um, a obscure European director uh, whose name, forgive me, I can't remember right now. No problem. But since uh, since the wife, her profile has really increased. Um, so I think the projects that she's working on now have been with um, have been on much bigger budgets. And okay. Like for example, uh, Ron Howard just directed her in the movie that she wrapped with Amy Adams. Uh, so I think I think she's sort of transitioning to, you know, the projects that she really deserves to be working on. What is it that makes Glenn Close the performer that you value? I think I, I think we spoke about this, and I think it's a combination of being very theatrical and mm-hmm. being very large, but also being very truthful. And sometimes if you're looking at somebody like Johnny Depp, who can give these very over-the-top performances, they're not based in anything, so um, they can become very grating as an audience member because it's just him screaming and flailing. Sure. But with Glenn, again, uh, 101 Dalmatians and Mar- even Fatal Attraction is a very large performance at times, but it's rooted in uh, real truth and real logic. So they're always tethered uh, to some kind of a reality. And I know from my experience as a performer, that's a very, very difficult thing to do. Sure. The, definitely that balance. It's yeah. not easy to strike on, on stage, let alone oh, on for film sure. where the medium is even you know, there's more of a critical, you can have more of a critical eye on mm-hmm. everything you do. Um, her first movie, if I'm not mistaken, was The World According to Garp. Yes, yeah. and she was already well into her 30s at that point. Uh, and that's a, that's a terrific role, you know, and it's a large role. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very large role. And once again, it can be one that is huge and theatrical and, and whatnot. Because right? it's such a, I don't want to say quirky, but it, it's a very um, it's a very polarizing character that mm-hmm. woman, uh, the mother, uh, Robin Robin Williams's mother. What I love about her, and I'm not, and I say this with all due respect because I'm I don't I'm not as prolific with regards to her her career. I haven't <coughs> I haven't followed it the way you do. I think she's great, but mm-hmm. you know, I love how she'll do movie of the weeks. Like she'll do a movie of the week. She'll do. Film. She'll do TV, like you said. Well, she was one of before this concept of prestige television. 
and and peak television and the golden age before this idea she was one of the first major film stars to sort of work in television right didn't she do a biopic a bio movie of the week mov about a i want to say like a police officer or something are um, you thinking of serving in silence maybe where she played a uh uh, an army, uh, Mar- uh, the name was Margareta Kamemeyer. Yes. Yes. Yes, because she received, quite, I think she won a Golden Globe for that, right? She won, uh, she, I think so, yes. Yeah. So um, I was impressed. I remember watching it thinking, oh, wow, she did this movie of the week when she could just be doing movies, you know? But that's the frustrating thing about our industry, Marco, mm-hmm. is that, you know, she was a woman who was, at that point, I think she was already in her 40s. Right. Um and those kind of fatal attraction, dangerous liaisons roles were probably already starting to dry up. Uh, and, and and I mean, obviously, Meryl is magnificent and acclaimed and right. deserves all of her attention. But it's frustrating because there should be room for multiple women of that generation sure. to have those uh, to have access to those roles and access to those projects. And. I think, I mean, I've never met Glenn, so I don't know, where, but I think she went where the work was and she went where the good parts were and the good parts were no longer on film. They were in television. There you go. I didn't even think of that, but you're right. Yeah, and uh, there should be more room for not just the Glenn Closes and Meryl Streep's and, and uh, Juliana Moore's out there for even actors. We're starting to see more of it, Mm -hmm. especially with prestige television like you're talking about. We're seeing more of that, but uh, we could stand to see even more. What would you like to see her in? Uh, Again, I think she's very funny when when she gets the chance. So I would love to see her... uh, I I would love to see her in some kind of a comedy, some kind of a dark comedy. Okay. I love... I mean, I'm thinking of people that she hasn't worked with yet. Uh, like I love Noah Baumbach's work. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward. I haven't seen a Marriage Story yet, but I'm really looking forward to that. Okay. And Noah Baumbach uh, can can write movies that are very funny, but also deal with very dark emotions. So I think I think somebody like that might bring out something in her that we haven't seen. Okay. And um, and she's from where? She's from Connecticut. Is that right? She's, she's from born. Connecticut. Her parents. Her her dad was a doctor. And I think her dad was a missionary doctor. So her parents might have been... It's been a while since I read her story. Sure. Her parents might have been some kind of missionaries. I see. Um, so I think she spent parts of her childhood uh, in Africa or South America. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was also involved at a very young age with Up With People. She was a member of Up With People. Oh, you're going to have to remind me what Up, Up With People is. It's... I don't know how Christian they are. Okay. But it's a performance troupe... Uh, of young people who perform very happy, optimistic, all-American routines. It's it, if you see one of their shows, and they travel all across the globe. Is it choir or is it performance-based? I think they're almost like a show choir. Oh, I see. Okay. Yes, um, and I think there is something, if I'm not mistaken, I think there is something Christian about them, without them being overly Christian. I see. But I okay. think it's a very Christian message. I see. Okay. Um, and I think at one point, Glenn was quite secretive about her past oh, with this troop. Okay. Because she did it when she was very young, and I think she might have done it under the influence of her father. Sure. Um, so I think at one time she was very—she didn't—if you interviewed Glenn, if you had that opportunity, she wouldn't 
finish the interview if you brought up her history with Up With People. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, that's good to know if she's ever in my studio. Mm-hmm. I'll just write what would you, if she was ever on the Insomnia podcast, what would you want to talk to her about? Um, I would probably ask her the following questions, and maybe you can answer okay. as yourself to sure. these questions. Um, if someone was to make the biopic of your life, who would you like to play oh, you? Oh, man. I mean, the only celebrity I've ever been compared to. And it doesn't have to say, be someone who you, who, you know, people say you look like. So if it's, if there's a performer, so you I really, could pick Idris Elba. You could, for you, example. why not? Okay. On our podcast, you could. I mean, the only performer, uh, the only, uh, the only celebrity I've ever been told that I remind people of has been Matthew Broderick. Oh yeah. I could see that. That's the only one. I don't think I would ever want. But you can't have him because he's much older than you. He's not that much. He's a little bit older. Okay. Than me. Yeah. Uh, Ooh. I don't know. Well, don't okay, know. so that's one question I would ask. That's a great when. question. Who would play you? It's um, a great question because everyone who I really esteem is older than me as well. Like who? I would love Stanley Tucci. Oh, he's wonderful. He's so great. Yeah. He's so great. Um, but And uh, also, I, I, could, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah, he's great. Uh, but yeah. Another question I would ask is, what role have you played that has brought you the most delight? So I ask you, Daniel, the question I would ask Glenn. Uh, oh. Uh, you know, I think it's something I did once. I did a one-night uh, performance of an adaptation of a work by David Rakoff. Okay. That at the time I was optimistic it would get a longer life, and it turns out that it didn't. Um but it was uh, it was an adaptation of a novel that was written in verse. Oh wow! Uh, that I was very deeply connected to, very very connected to. Fair enough. Yeah. So let me ask you this: What role did Glenn play that brought you the most delight? I would have to say Dangerous Liaisons. Really? Okay. The Marquise. I would have to say that role. Every time I watch it, it's breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's again it's theatrical, but it is so um, faceted and personal sure. at the same time. Uh, she should have won the Oscar for the last scene yes, in that film. She absolutely, like for that scene. If yeah. you just watch that scene, if she was in it for nothing else except for that last scene when she walks into the theater and, and everybody boos her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that she God. should have won. And then when she takes off her makeup yeah. at the end. Yeah, that oh. from that from that moment of mm-hmm. her walking into the theater to the moment she takes off her makeup, like that is a masterclass. I would absolutely say that. Yeah. Um and there's a movie, it's not a particularly good movie, but there's a movie from I think maybe the mid two thousands called The Heights. The Heights. Where she plays Not the play The Heights. Not in the Heights. Not in the Heights. No. Okay. But, but she'd be great in that too. I don't know if she would, but there might not because, be a role because for her. it's yeah. about Latin people. Right, so enough. I don't, I don't know if she would. Okay, uh, I don't want her. I don't want to see her play the abuela. Sure, no, nope. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, but there's a movie called The Heights where she plays uh, a, an out of work Broadway actress who is teaching and who's very intense and very theatrical, uh, and it's a brilliant performance in a movie that, as I recall, wasn't that great. Okay. I love I love performers who can do that who are captivating in films that might not be mm-hmm. as captivating as their performance. Alec Baldwin is one who comes to mind. And do you know? I mean, we've all as as actors, we've all worked with material that hasn't been 
you know, Shakespeare. Sure. And I mean, I don't have to tell you how hard you have to work when the material isn't up to up, up to snuff. Yeah, I find it when you're reading dialogue, and it doesn't just flow from your mouth, and you really have to work to mm-hmm. make it feel natural. Is is when I I look at the work and say, oh, I think. I think this isn't as strong as as the author may have thought mm-hmm. it was. It yeah. seems like because I can feel it in my mouth. That's where I feel when the material. Like I did a play that uh, David Lindsay Abair wrote, and the I saw words, you in it. Yeah. the words just they just yeah. rolled out of my mouth as the most simple and easiest. And I learned the dialogue so quickly because it just felt so natural. Yeah, and that's a great piece of writing. It was called the Rabbit Hole. In case our listeners are like, what was that? Um, Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, you were great in that. Have you ever been to Connecticut? I don't think I have. Okay. I don't think I have. I've been to uh, most of New England, but I Mm -hmm. don't think I've been to Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should take a road trip. Winter in Connecticut. Winter in Connecticut? Yeah. Would that be fun? Um, I would imagine Connecticut has uh, some similar feel to Montreal. No? I'm probably wrong. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think. Uh, I think of the Connecticut stereotype as you know, very sure, waspy, very waspy, yeah. very rich, very wealthy. Um, Montreal has a lot of character. Yeah, it's um, true. Montreal's true. not as a diversity as Toronto, but mm. it's pretty diverse. It's not. No, Toronto no, no. is an incredibly diverse city. Huh. Um, and I, I don't think Montreal, I mean, you know, even in recent years, Toronto, I mean, I know we're, get, we're veering off topic, but in recent years, Toronto has absorbed a lot of, you know, a lot of Syrian immigrants. And, sure. Uh, I don't know if Montreal has ever uh, has ever done the same. Um, Montreal is a fascinating city, very sure. cosmopolitan, but I don't I don't know if it has the same feel as a, as a town or a city in Connecticut. Fair enough. But Fair maybe enough. it does because I've never been. See, I thought for sure you had been to Connecticut, but is is Montreal close to Connecticut? It's very close to New England. New England, okay. And that's the wonderful thing about when I grew up in Montreal was that it's it's less than an hour to go to Vermont. Vermont. So to cross the border, it's 45 minutes. Sorry, that's where I made the mistake. I was thinking Vermont. Oh, Vermont, oh yeah, because sometimes, I mean, uh, e- even now, sometimes I'll go to, if I'm visiting my family in Montreal, sometimes I'll just go to Vermont to go to Trader Joe's. Really? Just it, to get some, you know. How long is the drive? Less than an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, next time I'm in Montreal, I'm going to do So that. even even to go to New York City, it's it's a six-hour drive. Okay. Uh, it's five for Boston, mm-hmm. uh, three for New Hampshire. Oh, wow. So it's very close to uh, to New England. But Connecticut, I get Maine. Maine is only, I think, four or five hours. Um, but but uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know what a destination is in Connecticut. Have you been to Connecticut? I haven't. I haven't. Uh, but is there is there like a state park or is there something that oh, is a, I'm sure. a travel destination? I'm sure there's a ton of things to do in Connecticut, but I'm at a loss. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we have listeners in Connecticut. So let us know. Let us know yeah. what to do when we come, when Daniel and Marco take the road trip. Or Glenn, if if you stumble upon this podcast, let us know as well. Yeah, Glenn, tell us where where some, some mm-hmm. local haunts that you used to hang out I would be remiss okay. if I wouldn't bring up Glenn's romance in the mid-90s with Woody Harrelson. They had a they had a romance? They had a fling in the mid-90s. I didn't know this. Yes, I would be remiss. And there was a picture that resurfaced uh, that Bill, who co-hosts the podcast with me, put up on my Facebook of uh, Glenn and Woody in very chunky early 1990s sweaters. 
uh, standing maybe on a movie set okay. uh, together. But yes, they dated in the 90s. Oh, what a, what a wonderful piece know, of information. I, I don't know how she feels about us talking about her, her well, past it was, loves. Well, it was, it, was, it was public knowledge. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, and her daughter, actually, uh, her daughter Annie Stark is also an actress. Oh, I didn't know this. And okay. her daughter played uh, the younger version of Glenn in The Wife in the flashbacks. Oh, that's cool. And she was very good. She was very, very good. So someone else to look out for. Yes. Is her daughter. Annie Stark. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe we can see her in a show on on the stage as well. And not to tell tales out of school, oh. but I do I do like her better than the Gummers. I do like her better than oh, okay. uh, than Meryl's daughters. Although I enjoyed um I don't remember. Mamie, is it? Is There's that two the, and they okay. both look the same. Mamie and Grace. On, Grace is the younger one. On the good wife. Yes. I thought she was great. She's very when she's Nancy, yeah, she's very good on that show. Yeah. She's very, very good. Well, this was an indulgent episode, and I don't care because whenever I speak to you about Glenn Close or I see that you post on your Facebook things about Glenn Close, and I remember this uh, Academy Award season, how you were really... I had I had a lot of people reach out to me and mm-hmm. slide into my messages yeah. to ask me if I was okay, that to, I was like, to seriously ask me if I was okay. I was like, I need to have an episode with my friend Daniel Krolik about one of his um, passions or performers he likes. And you know what? There's something about being the underdog that Mm. I really just, I really identify with. If you had one message to tell Glenn, who may listen to our podcast, what would that be? I mean, what I, what I like about her is, is, is there's no, there's no bitterness. There's no Mm. entitlement there. So even during this award season, you know, there was ne- she was never sending out the message of, oh, I'm overdue. If I don't win it, it'll sure. be a disappointment. I'm so dis-, dis. She never sent out that message. You know, she's always been somebody to, from my eyes, she's always been somebody who just goes where the work is and just enjoys the work and just enjoys the process. That's it. Um, I, so my message wouldn't be for Glenn. Okay. It would be for, you know, for the directors, for the producers, for the writers to say, like, use this woman. She's still in her prime. She's still giving us interesting work. So, like, take advantage of this of this talent, you know? There you go. Yeah. Well, Daniel, I hope I didn't take advantage of your talent, but I'm certainly happy. You did, and it was wonderful. Great. Thank you for listening. If you have a show idea, let us know. Maybe I'll bring Daniel back. And you can request that we talk about it with Daniel. I shouldn't say maybe. I'll I'll definitely bring Daniel back. But uh, maybe we will talk about the topic you want to hear us talk about. Until then, we hope you listen and sleep.